All right, so uh, so first of all, so big shkayich to Dovi Adel for sponsoring this morning's learning and breakfast. It should be as chosli lunishmas his mother Yenta Frey de Blima Bas Rafal Avram. It's not the art set, but Nisham Shavan Ali anyway. The chosli learning and the brachas being said in the food, and in that only Shevah Bracha Vatslav should come to him. All mishpacha, all of Kilo, of Klai Yisrael. Okay, so so I'm thinking that this morning we're gonna. I think this morning we're going to finish off this, the like, mini-series that we started already from the beginning of, uh, of the summer about the Indian, or at least one aspect of Yom Yisrael Mashiach. So again, what we've been talking about, this will be, I think, the sixth one, the sixth uh, Shira in it, so to sum it all up together, Allah Lamaisa. So what we've been talking about basically, you know, this entire time has been a certain aspect of Yom Yisrael Mashiach, which is the return of Malchus Beistav, the, re- the return of of the Jewish kingdom, of Kal Yisrael, as a nation, as a, as a kingship, as a kingdom. And so we've been talking about Barichas and Halacha and Epinimius and Levitz Hashem, Epichsidus, all different ways, one basic Yisrael, which is that Malchus Yisrael, the kingdom of the Jewish people, never really went away, never really went away. Again, on a simple level, when we had a base of Megdash, then there was a kingdom. The Jewish people sort of uh, had a a consciousness of Klal Yisrael instead of a bunch of individual people, individual kehilas, individual uh, you know chaburs uh, and so on. There was a sense of Klal Yisrael that wasn't just a psychological uh, you know phenomenon that you find with people that have a collective mm-hmm. government. There was a mitzias, the mitzias of Knesset Yisrael with all of its potency and all of its power. Like we talked about, that that Indian of Knesset Yisrael is that part of of. It's that ability that the Jewish people have to really experience a lakus, to experience God. But Knesset Yisrael, in its fullest form, was out in the open. That's how we lived. And so we talked about Barichas again in Halacha and Epinimius that when the Churm Beis Midrash took place, when we go into Golas, so it looks like on the outside that Knesset Yisrael, Kalal Yisrael, that collective entity, is no longer functional. We're now a bunch of Yechidim running around, you know, trying to avoid bumping into each other. But that's not the truth. The truth is, as we saw Barichas, is that Knesset Yisrael, the Malchus of the Jewish people, <clears throat> instead of it disappearing, it went into hiding inside every single individual Jew. And throughout Golis, Malchus based David, Mashiach, the, the, the Knesset Yisrael exists, it just exists behind the scenes. And so we spoke about a number of different uh, you know, sort of uh, reverberations of that. The fact that within every single Yid, there is all of Kal Yisrael being forced into that little into that little, uh, little vessel called the individual Jew, so it has its uh, reverberations on the outside. So we talked about the greatness of Tarsh Balpeh. <clears throat> we talked about the union of finding in the Taiva, all the different avidists that come from that, the ability to uh, find within yourself that part of yourself that's bigger. Okay, the union of Knesset Yisrael. So I've been mentioning a few times that this is sort of a cornerstone in the writings of Rav Kook and the whole philosophy of Rav Kook. And so tonight, so this morning... So we're going to dive in. I mean, we can't, you know, it's uh, in a half hour or so, we can't really fully unpackage his entire worldview, but a little taste here and there. But this was a major yisite that all of his writings are coming from. And so the first Maramakim sort of just sums it all up that we've been talking about, just to sort of reintroduce the idea and see how Rav Cook uh, puts it. So in Maramakim number one, this is a, a few lines from a sefer. We have Iris Mi Eifel, Lights from Darkness. That's the name of the particular kuntress. And so he says like this. It's in peace, chafein, or esmi'ayfel. Tokum sukas david hanifelas. Right? So we know, for example, uh, on sukkis, by benching, we say harachamon, 
that Rachmanu Yakim Wano, that Hashem should have compassion and he should he should uh, rise, he should uh, erect Sukkah Stavanefels, the fallen, the fallen uh, Sukkah, the fallen uh, home of David Melech. In other words, Malchus based David is now fallen and it's in disarray, and we want the kingdom of the Jewish people to be erect, to be fully functional. Talkum Sukkah Stavid Hanifelis. That's the lush and that's the language that we use, that it should be erected, it should be put together. Now it's not, and it should be put together. It says Rav Kok Achbemis, but the truth is, Loi Tokum, it doesn't have to be put together, the truth is. It's a little mistake. Rak What's going to happen with the government of Mashiach is that it's going to be revealed that the Sukkah of David, the house of David, the Malchus of the Jewish people, never, never fell apart to begin with. So right now it looks like it's not there. It looks like we're, the Knesset Yisrael with all of its power, all of its glory, is non-existent. And so right now in Golis, we daven that the, the Malchus of the Jewish people should come back to life. But the truth is, when Malchus based of it, so to speak, comes back to life, it will be revealed that it never really went away. It never really went away. R-M-S-Z, this light of truth, ki gala, when it's revealed that the Malchus of the Jewish people never went away, rather it was just in hiding within every single Jew. When that truth is revealed, it's going to be so powerful and so potent a realization that Malchus, Malchus Yisrael cannot be destroyed, Knesset Yisrael can never go away, then it's, that itself will give us a guarantee and a, and a, and a confidence that, that the ghoul that we're going to experience with the Mashiach is going to be a, a ghoul forever. Oyel Bal Yisan, it's a tent, Malchus of the Jewish people is a tent that cannot be folded. Bal Yisan, Yisadais of Lenetzach, its foundational parts cannot be undone forever. The Gam Chavol the ropes that hold the tent down, cannot be undone. And this is really the, 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 the return that the, that the Jewish people is hoping for. That the whole world really is involved in preparing. And this is a big, anybody of Cook, that he saw even the nations of the world and, and in modern times, everything they're doing is also just preparing the way for Malchus Yisrael to, you know, resurface. But that's the idea of here. The Malchus Yisrael just has to resurface. It doesn't have to be put together. Knesset Yisrael already exists. Okay, so in Rav, Kook's, in Rav Kook's way, Rav Kook saw this not just as a nice idea and a theoretical thing and, and even something that affects one's personal way of Hashem. Rav Kook, Rav Kook saw this as, as something, he, he saw this as the, as the, the sugya that was going, that was unfolding literally before his eyes in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s. We all know that historically at that time, the walls of the Shtetlach were coming down. The walls of the ghetto were coming down. There was unbelievable influence of the outside world and uh, great effort was made to try to bring Jews into, you know, the societies and the cultures of the world. And Yidin, you know, unfortunately, were, were falling off of Yiddishkeit in droves, Mamish in droves. People that you know, learned in yeshivas, you know, that were, uh, grow, grew up in the Shtetlach, grew up in that environment. You know, once they had the opportunity to... Uh, see something bigger in their mind and so on and experience the world, they, uh, they rejected Yiddish Shavad and went off. So all the isms, communism, socialism, Zionism, you name it, all the isms, they're all, they're all Yidin. They're all Yidin. And, uh, you know, I was told by someone that, you know, his father was a you know, survivor and he said that before the war, if you were, he was from Hungary, he said, you get on a train and you get anywhere. And if it was, if it was Yidin on the train, all for me, and if it was Yidin on the train, it was mamish, like, colors of rocket, mamish, crazy. Because everyone was fighting with each other. It was communists fighting with Zionists, and Zionists fighting with Bundes, and Bundes fighting with, uh, you know, the, the, the religious. It was just, everyone, it was, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. And so there was always two approaches about how to 
define, in, in, and, and, and the objective of the tzaddikim was obviously to fix this, to make sure they didn't stop going off the derech and reconnect themselves in a deep way to Yiddishkeit. But in order to fix the problem, you have to really identify what, what the problem is. Like, what's the source of the problem? So what is the source of the problem? Why was everyone, why was it all of a sudden now that religious life and the, the way of the Messiah for a thousand years was all of a sudden not appealing to the younger generation? So, and if you can identify what the source of the problem is, why is that, then you'll be able to fix it, hopefully. So there's two approaches about what, to understand what the source of the problem was. One approach, which was taken by most G'daylem and most uh, parents and Mechanchem and so on, which is, you read the Sadaris. No, it's just a bad generation. It's a generation that has a big Yetzirah, big Taivas, and all of a sudden, for the first time in many centuries, they have the opportunity to fulfill their Taivas because the walls of the ghetto are coming down and they're actually being invited by all the universities and all the other countries to be part of their societies. And so you're being invited and, 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 and enticed by the snake and you, uh, you have a shtickel nachash inside of you. So fine, that's what's going on. So that's the problem. The problem is just schlechter. They're just, they're just bad people. They're just a bad, you know, just the older generation were more timimistic. They're more, they were on a higher level. Plus they didn't have the opportunities. And so now you have the opportunities. Plus you, you have a shirish that's no good inside of you. So that's the problem. So if, it, so if that's the problem, then what's the solution? Well, the solution is twofold. Those that already went off the derech, cut them off. Because they're just, they're bad. You know, they're, 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 they're going to take down everyone else. That's one mach. And those that have yet to go off, you have to be afraid that they will. And so you have to make sure to put up those walls of the ghetto very stark and thicken those walls and do whatever you can to, to just control everyone and bring them back into that you know, into that old Masar. Like that's, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very defensive stance because that's what's going on. We're under attack from, with, from without and even from within. We're just under attack. And so when a person's under attack, there's uh, automatically a, uh, a survival mode that comes in and uh, certain things that you do in survival mode that you wouldn't necessarily do in a regular situation sacrifices that you have to make. But that was the, that was the approach of many, many people. Rav Kook did not see it like that. Rav Kook did not see that as the solution, nor, he did, nor did he see the, the ultimate source of the problem just because of some problem, bad quality in the generation and opportunity to fulfill their tithes. He did not see that as the issue. Rav Kook identified that the core issue is, is actually a positive thing. What's going on, Rav Kook said, is that as we're getting closer to Mashiach, Something's taking place. And what's taking place is that the, the, that Indian of Knesset Yisrael, of the sum total of the Jewish people, which in a healthy way is living in Eretz Yisrael with all of its grandeur, all of its power, that during Golis has been locked up inside the heart of every single individual Jew, to such a degree that the individual Jew doesn't even know himself that he has Knesset Yisrael inside of him. Rav Kooks understood that at this moment in world history, that Indian of Knesset Yisrael is beginning to bubble up to the surface. And the Jew, all of a sudden, because within him, subconsciously, subconsciously, he doesn't know this, but subconsciously, there, he, there's a part of himself that, that sees himself as an individual. That's a gullistic mindset. I'm an individual, you're an individual. But there's another deeper part of himself which is now surfacing, that no longer wants to see himself as just an individual Jew, but wants to experience Knesset Yisrael, wants to experience a life 
where he's a part of this collective nation that's called the Jewish people. Not only is that something that he wants to experience deeply, but the Yiddishkeit, as we're going to see, the Yiddishkeit, that that, that part of the Jew, which is Knesset Yisraelik, wants to experience, is a Yiddishkeit that's completely all-encompassing. See, the, the Yiddishkeit of an individual, of a Gullus, is, is compartmentalized. It's a, it's a Yiddishkeit that's, you know, that Avodis Hashem is in this corner, and politics and business is in another corner. But the concept of Knesset Yisrael, what does Knesset Yisrael mean? Knesset Yisrael means the, entire, the entirety. Knesset Yisrael means like Jewish firemen. And Knesset Yisrael means everything in life, spiritual, physical, political, uh, the arts, the humanities, everything is part of that world that's called Knesset Yisrael. And if there's an, a, a certain element of life experience that's not somehow part of that world that's called Knesset Yisrael in a holy way, then a Jew that's deeply connected to Knesset Yisrael is going to find a religion that rejects a certain aspect of, of life experience as small, as tiny, as constrictive. And so Rav Kook identified that the, it's not the shot that people are going off and, and going into all these isms because they are rejecting Yiddish, they, they, there's something bad in them and they're rejecting Yiddish, the truth of Yiddishkeit. What they're rejecting is a small, tiny Yiddishkeit that's custom-made for just an individual person in Gauls. But what they do want, what they are asking for, without having the sophistication to articulate it, because Lamaisa, they, you know, but we'll see in a second, they, they, the, the generation of Kok was talking about were not educated with sophisticated and big ideas of Yiddishkeit. They were educated in that small way of Yiddishkeit that's custom-made to an individual person that exists as an individual in the Sea of Exile. And a Yiddishkeit that's custom-made for an individual person within Golis is a Yiddishkeit that's that only addresses certain aspects of his life. So Yiddishkeit of Gauls will address your mind, what to think about in terms of learning. It'll address how to daven. It'll address how to put a mezuzah on the door. But it's not going to be addressing how to be a, how to be a farmer. And it's not going to be addressing how to be a, a, a contractor. And it's not going to be addressing being a politician. And it's not going to be addressing being a poet and being a painter and being a singer... Those, those aspects of life, that those, those, those aspects were not part of a Yiddishkeit of Golas. That's not what it was. But a Yiddishkeit of Knesset Yisrael, a Yiddishkeit of Gula, that's all, just like the Jewish people are all-encompassing, to have a nation you know, functioning in Eretz Yisrael independently without having to schlep or you know, to, to collect money from, from the, from the Goyim, to function uh, on its own, so then you need, you need uh, all these things. You need poets and you need artists and you need you know, construction people and you need uh, uh, policemen and you need politicians. You, you need all these things. And so a Yiddishkeit of Knesset Yisrael demands that all these aspects are somehow not, are somehow part of, of Knesset Yisrael. Instead of having to outsource all these elements from the nations of the world, that it should become, it should be, it, it should be, it should be something that's, 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 that's developed and evolved and emerging out of the Kedusha of Knesset Yisrael. And so this is, this, Rav Kook saw this as the great Nisan of the generation of being able to realize that the need that the younger generation has to venture out of the walls of the ghetto, it's not coming because they're rejecting Torah Mitzvahs. What they are rejecting is a, is a Yiddishkeit that's only addressing a particular part of life. What they want is a Yiddishkeit that addresses every part of life. 
Why all of a sudden are they asking for such a Yiddishkeit? Because the Knesset Yisrael, which is, which is the whole picture, right? That was until now, deep down in the heart of the individual Jew, but didn't really make itself known, is now beginning to surface. And that Knesset Yisrael, that, that national way of thinking, which, is, which and a nation encompasses everything that a nation needs, both physical and spiritual, and uh, again, like all the humanities, v'chulu, v'chulu, everything that a nation would need, the Jewish people want to have that as, that's coming from, from Yiddishkeit. In other words, what, what, if, the, if the Yiddishkeit of Golas is forced to, to, to create uh, a, a Jewish uh, government and a Jewish malchus, what it's going to have to do, if, if, the, if the Yiddishkeit of Golis remains as it is and is forced to now make a Jewish malchus, what it's going to have to do is it'll be able to give instructions about how to deal with the quote-unquote religious side of that kingdom. But the other elements of that kingdom, whether it be the, you know, again, the humanities, the, the, the Gashmi side of things, is going to have to outsource with the nations of the world. It's going to have to go to America, it'll have to go to Europe, and it'll have to get advice about how to, how to handle these things and how to do it. And then all of a sudden, there'll be this, this, this division within Malchus Yisrael, which is Chas Hashem, that the, the, the Ruchni side of things is coming from a holy place, but everything else is coming from unholy sources. And that's something that is distasteful to Knesset Yisrael. Knesset Yisrael wants to have everything Jewish. Knesset Yisrael wants to have every element of Klal Yisrael coming from authentic Jewish places. It's like there's a Brisa that uh, there's a in Meseches Bechayrus that Rameir said. It's a Brisa Rameir says, "Ashrachu Yisrael." The Jewish people are so amazing. Why? Because we're compared to Karcha de Kulaba. We're like a, a Swiss Army knife, right? It has everything you need. It has a knife. It has a pair of scissors. It has a screwdriver. It has a flashlight. Whatever. Everything you need, you got. So said Rameir. The same thing with Knesset Yisrael. Our, everything is, we don't have to outsource for anything. We have our Nevi'im, we have our Malachim, we have our kings, we have our prophets, we have our Rabbanim, we have our Shaitrim, we have our... And Rav Kook, Rav Kook identified that Nakuda. that's a Knesset Yisrael mentality. It's a Knesset Yisrael mentality where everything that you need to function as a nation on planet Earth that's, that's of divine origin, you should be able to figure out within yourself that you don't have to go to other sources to find it. And so this Indian that was bubbling within the surface of the younger generation, the need and the desire to experience a Yiddishkeit of Knesset Yisrael, they, they, without realizing it, what, what they were really looking for when they went to uh, socialism and communism was that they were looking, what they're really asking for is, I want a Yiddishkeit that somehow <laughs> explains and, and somehow gives me a, a way of understanding the dynamics of a government coming from Kedusha. I don't want the Yiddishkeit that just addresses Hilchas Tefillin, but everything when it comes to a government, I have to look to Goyim. But the problem is, again, as we'll see in a second, that's not what they were being exposed to. What they were being exposed to is still a Yiddishkeit of Golas, which is a Yiddishkeit that's not addressing Knesset Yisrael. It's a Yiddishkeit addressing a Jew in Krakow. How does a Jew in Krakow survive through Krakow? Okay, so for a Jew to survive in Krakow, all he needs to know is how to put on Tefillin, and how to keep Shabbos, and how to learn in Davin, and he doesn't have to know about the poetry and the arts and humanity. He doesn't have to know about that stuff. That's not his Indian. But what happens when that Jew in Krakow has within him all of Knesset Yisrael <coughs> bubbling to the surface? Then all of a sudden, the Yiddish guy that he's being told is a Yiddish guy that's constricted, that's tiny, that's small. And what he's looking for is something more expansive. So he's going to go to look for it elsewhere. This is how Rav Kook identified the issue. 
So Rav Kook saw the issue as coming from a very, very good place, a place that Klaus are moving towards Gulak, towards Knesset Yisrael. So what's the solution? So Rav Kook, as we'll see, the solution was, therefore in Rav Kook's mind, is not to cut off, to stop. Rav Kook's, the solution is to give them what they're really asking for, which is a Yiddishkeit that's, that's a Yiddishkeit of Knesset Yisrael, a Yiddishkeit that's holistic, that's a Yiddishkeit of, of, of synthesis, a Yiddishkeit of uniting spiritual and physical, a Yiddishkeit of uniting halacha and, and machshava, of nigla and nister, of uh, a Yiddishkeit that gives, that gives opportunity to express yourself in the arts. You know, in, in his day, for example, a big, and nowadays it's not as much, but in those days, in the early 1900s, a, a huge, a huge Indian of, ex, of self-expression was poetry. That was a, that was a big thing. Right? I'm sure we had, like in high school, you had poetry, right? No one was, most people were not interested in it. But in the early 1900s, that was like a major thing. Poetry was like a huge Indian. You know? People would go to read poetry recitals. And to write. It, was like a, it was like a big thing. It was like a con- concert. That's how it was, you know? Nowadays, instead of poetry, it's more like music and painting and things like that. But in those days, it was poetry. Rav Kook was mamish and Eshlov of fire to produce from holy uh, uh, writers and poets to be able to produce poetry that's giving expression to a deeper Yiddishkeit. Instead of, again, so you have a guy that all of a sudden, like, he, again, he grows up in, in, in Prague, right? Or in Vilna, or something like that. Or in uh, Tashkent, whatever it is. And, and uh, he doesn't even realize it, so his parents are... The, every single Jew throughout all of history had the entirety of Knesset Israel within them. But in the earlier generations, it was locked up in such a way that it didn't really surface at all. So inside of every single Jew throughout all the ages, there was this desire and this need to experience a Yiddishkeit that's holistic, that's all-encompassing. But it didn't make its way to the surface of the mind. So to the Jew throughout all the generations, living in Vilna, from, gener- you know, from Bobby to Z- Bobby, you know, Zadiel, they're all living in Vilna. So they were happy, even though within them, certainly they also wanted a Yiddishkeit that's all-encompassing. But that's not what they were living with. And they were satisfied with the Yiddishkeit that's addressing them in particular, how they can survive and thrive in Vilna and become tzaddikim in Vilna. But that type of Yiddishkeit doesn't need poetry, it doesn't need painting, it doesn't need architecture, it doesn't need all that stuff. Because what are you doing in Vilna? You're just trying to eke out a living and make sure you get Olam Haba. That, 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 that's what you're trying to do. So. But all of a sudden, this guy's son, the Knesset Israel within them, is now surfacing. And so all of a sudden he's being educated in the same way that the Zaydi was. But it's, not, but it's not the same Yiddishkeit that the kid needs. It's not a different Yiddishkeit, but it's a more, a more holistic and encompassing Yiddishkeit. A Yiddishkeit that doesn't look at architecture and doesn't look at, at, at paintings and poetry and, and, um, and, and, and getting your hands dirty in the, in the dirt of Eretz Yisrael and growing tomatoes. They, the, the child does, wants to experience a Yiddishkeit that embraces all of that. Not just embraces it like a bedievet, but sees that as, 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 the, the, as, the, as the greatness of Yiddishkeit, that it encompasses all of that, and we don't have to outsource our farmers to uh, the nations of the world. That it, could be, it should be homegrown, it should be the proper way, which is, it's all emerging out of the Kedusha of Knesset Yisrael. So if the kid in Krakow and in Prague and Vilna is not being educated like that, but that deep desire needs to be fulfilled, and then all of a sudden the walls of the ghetto are down and he hears that, uh, that uh, in Berlin there's universities and you can study about all these things. Okay, so that's where he's going to go. But he's not going to get away from Vilna. 
He's, he, that's basically, it, when, him going to Berlin is, is him expressing that I want something bigger in my Yiddishkeit, and you're not giving it to me. <laughs> and so Rav Cook's whole Indian was, give them what they're really interested in, which was extremely counterintuitive to every other one of the G'daylam, because what Rav Cook is basically saying is that you see this guy who's Mechal Shab, you see this guy who's running away from Yiddishkeit, what really you should be doing is giving him a deeper Yiddishkeit than his parents have. I think a deeper Yiddishkeit, this guy, this is Mechal Shabbos. So, so while he's in Mechal Shabbos, I'm supposed to teach him secrets of Torah, and I'm going to reveal to him deep ideas? He's the he's, He doesn't deserve that. And he's not living up to it. But Rav Kook said, but this is the difference. Rav Kook is saying, his outside life is not living up to it, but that's what he's asking for. And if you give him those deep ideas, then guess what? Then all of a sudden he's going to realize that the Yiddishkeit that, that authentic Yiddishkeit, a gula, Knesset, all Yiddishkeit, for, satisfies all of his needs. And he doesn't have to go to Berlin to find it. He could find it within himself. I mean, this, this was a major Indian Rav Kook, for example. Like, uh, there's letters that we have from Rav Kook when the, the first uh, school in Eretz the I think it's called Betzalel School of Art, right? It's uh, for, for people to come to learn how to paint, and, you know, the arts. So, so they, there was a letter when they began, when they were opening... So again, I don't know much about this stuff. I just know it from, 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 the, from the Sefer. So I don't know, like, so as people are listening to this, like, I don't want to get the impression that, like, I'm giving Haskama to go to the Tzal School of Art. Maybe at this point, in 2022, it's all apicarsis. I have no idea. But I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying that what it was. Rav Cook sent a letter to, uh, you know, as an opening thing, you know, to give them a shkayach. And he talks about this. It's, a, it's an unbelievable letter where he talks about the need of, 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 of human beings, the, the, the whole idea of human beings needing to express themselves in art, and how throughout Gullus, and he says, oh, you look at the Mishkan, the Beis Hamikdash, it was all artistry, it was all beautiful architecture, and, you know, and, and artisans coming and, and, and using their skills and their human skills to, to create unbelievable things. And he says, throughout Gullus, so obviously the nations of the world chopped this and took this and corrupted this skill, and with the Zaras and, and all sorts of uh, unholy. Uh, you know, uh, art and things like this, but it's time for the Jewish people, he's, he writes in this, it's time for the Jewish people to take back what's ours. And instead of thinking that we're just, you know, that artistry is something that really is by the nations of the world and just knew, what could I do? I have a little uh, desire in me to make painting, so Yiddish, that's not part of my Avodah Hashem, but I have no choice but to go to the guy and to do, no, no, it should be homegrown, it should be uh, like a Swiss army knife. This was, the, this was Rav Kook's whole Indian. This was true in his way of, of viewing the whole world of Knesset Israel. This is how we view Torah, that Torah should be learnt in such a way that it should be with synthesis. It shouldn't be this like pulled apart thing, there's halach on one side and pinimis on the other. It should be holistic. The, it, the whole Indian Rav Kook was just this, this holistic sense that everything should come together in that way. And so that's, that's basically in a nutshell. Uh, again, in a very condensed form, the whole worldview of Rav Kook. But it was coming from this from this place. And you could tell already why it was with such opposition because it's extremely counterintuitive. You're dealing with people that are, that are, that are violently opposed to Yiddishkeit and Rav Kook is telling you that what they're really asking for is Yiddishkeit. And, you're, and, and while they're smacking you in the face and while they're punching you in the face and, and uh, with pickets, you know, with, uh, you're picketing uh, in front of your home about how, you know, you know, you're, 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 you know, uh, you're, you're archaic and all your ways are old, and we have to move on to the new times, what they're really asking for is we need primis atar. We want deeper truth, and that's what you have to do. While they're punching you in the face, give them primis atar. That's very counterintuitive, but that's, that's what Rav Cook said. And he said that he saw that as the only solution to the generation, the only solution. So let's see it together inside, yeah? Okay, with that, we could be able to run through this pretty quickly. So Maramaka number two. It says a piece from Sefer Oiras. Again, we're just going to run through it, and, and you'll see it's... it's 
Rav Kook himself is a poet, so it's all, it's all written in poetry. But uh, hopefully the point will, be, uh, will get across. And by the way, the fact that Rav Kook wrote, like this is in Arichas Tavarim, but the fact that Rav Kook wrote, as we'll see, in such poetic ways, so it led to people misunderstanding and not fully grasping what he's talking about, but this is how he wrote. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't express himself any other way. It's interesting. The, the writing that we have from Rav Kook that's all poetry is only once he got to Eretz Yisrael. We have Svarim from him before he got to Eretz Yisrael, which was written in a very down-to-earth you know, it was big ideas, but it was uh, written in a down-to-earth way. Once he stepped foot on the soil of Eretz Yisrael, then he, he no longer wrote, like, his writing was, like, just, it's, it's, uh, it's just poetry. That's how he wrote. So he says like this, in Oires Pischas, Betoich Halev Pnima, within the, in, in the Pnimis of the heart, the Chedre Taharasu Kedushasai, in the inner chamber of its purity and holiness, in plain English, inside the heart, in the pinimis of the heart of the Jewish people, burns brightly and deeply the flame of Yiddishkeit. So again, on the surface, you see people that are throwing their tefillin off the boat, right, and are coming to Eretz Yisrael to start a secular government. But you should know, says Rav Kook, in the, in the inner places of the heart, what's burning is the flame of Yiddishkeit. Hadereshes bechazaka, and what is this flame of Yiddishkeit really demanding? What it's demanding in a strong way, as says, what it's asking for is a deep, courageous, and strong, constant connection, El to all of the mitzvahs of Hashem. Not just some mitzvahs, like in Gulls, we only have a few mitzvahs. What really is burning inside of them is that what they want is a Yiddishkeit that's everything. A Yiddish, an entire, all of Yiddishkeit. Letzekes is Ruach Hashem, Ruach Yisrael Hamale HaKlali, what they're really asking for is what? Is to have the opportunity to pour the spirit of Hashem, the spirit of the Jewish people, which is all-encompassing. Which encompasses the entirety of the neshama. They want to be able to take that light of what? Of the everything, of Knesset Yisrael, and to pour it into all of its proper vessels. So within them is what? Is a light, is a flame that wants everything. But the vessels that they have in Vilna are not uh, vessels. Uh, you, 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 there's no place for the light of, of poetry to be poured into it. So it's just frustrating. And what they want to do is express Jewish idealism and Jewish identity in a, in a clear way, practically and, in, and, and idealistically. They want to, exper- to express what Yiddishkeit is in that holistic way. This flame is, is burning intensely and constantly in the heart of the tzaddikim. But even in the heart of the empty ones of the Jewish people, and it's like the, 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 the younger people, and even in the hearts of the sinners of the Jewish people, this fire is burning in the inwardness of the heart. And in the entirety of the Jewish people, what you see, sir, of the phenomenon of people all of a sudden wanting freedom, of wanting to get out of the, the shackles of the ghetto, and wanting to experience freedom and to be free. All that really what started, and by the way, the Mekobom saw this beginning to happen already in the, in the 1700s with the French Revolution and the American Revolution, this inning of wanting to be free, to build whatever, right? That's the whole thing of America, like the, the American dream is what? Is you, you can do anything. From sea to shining sea, it's open territory. Make of it whatever you want. That, and that all of a sudden conjures up in the imagination. What could I, I could, I could be anything. In Europe, I was, uh, I was a shoemaker. 
But now in America, the streets are paved with gold. I could become a CEO of the Fortune 500 company. But in, inside the Jewish heart, what's really happening inside the Jewish heart when they hear that is like, wow, until now, Yiddish guy was small and tiny. Now I'm given up. I can have a Yiddish guy that's big. But they don't know how to make sense of it. So they just go to America. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's coming from a different place. But in the collective whole of the Jewish people, the desire for freedom, and the desire to become alive, to really experience life, Right, to go on trips and to experience big things. And ultimately, even in a religious way, the desire for, free, for gula, for redemption. It's coming from this place. From what? From this place of Yidin wanting a big Yiddishkeit and wanting a place and opportunity to express that big Yiddishkeit. They want to live a, a Jewish life in its full sense, in its full sense, without any internal contradictions, without any internal boundaries. They, they, they want to experience everything. Not a Yiddishkeit that's only, that's only forced into a particular corner of their life. And said Rav Kook, this is a desire and part of the Jewish people to return to the land. And Rav Kook's, in Rav Kook's philosophy, there's only one place on earth that's capable of giving expression to this holistic Yiddishkeit, and that's Eretz Yisrael. It's the only place that can, that can, that can manage it. Admas HaKadosh, the Holy Land, Eretz Hashem, the land of Hashem, Shaboha HaMitzvah Kulan, Mizgalmais. It's only over there that all of the 613 are able to become, able to take shape, take form, and able to express themselves in a full way. It's only in Eretz Yisrael that such a thing can happen. And that's not a coincidence. It's in Eretz Yisrael that Knesset Yisrael, the Malchus of the Jewish people, is able to, that's its natural habitat. So we can try to, we can try to do it in Chutzlar, it's, but ultimately it's on alien soil. It's not, that's not where, that's not where it's conducive for Knesset Yisrael to, to express itself in full. The Swiss Army Knife, the headquarters of that is in Eretz Yisrael. And says Rav Kook, Im If this, what I'm saying now, is shocking to those that are, that are standing in a distance from truth and they're on the outside, Eich Efshah, how could it be you're, you're questioning me? Shakol HaRuchais, that all these spirits, all these isms, all these things that people are flocking to, which on the outside seem to be far from Amuna. They're running away from Yiddishkeit, Right? And you're telling me, Rav Kook, that inside of them, what's really pulse, pulsating within it is what is a spirit of Pnimi's life, of Yiddishkeit. They're running away from Yiddishkeit. So those people that are shocked by that, this is not shocking to anyone that's deeply connected to the, that, that within his spirit, he's deeply connected, anyone that's deeply connected to what Knesset Yisrael means and to Pnimi Satoyer is not shocked by what I'm saying. If, you, if, you're, if you're shocked by this, it means that you've never heard these ideas and, and you have no shaykhs to Pnimi But if you're connected to Pnimi Satoyer, this is not shocking at all. The Those that know the wondrous powers of Knesset Yisrael are not shocked by what I'm saying. This is the secret of her strength. The, 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 ele, the elevated life of the Jewish people, which will never cease. And this is where I've called this, this was the issue. This was the issue. So, the, these, the, so this piece, for example, again, this is just one of many examples where I've talks talks in this way. But all these pieces are like nice ideas. There is one place, not one place, there's a number of places where I've cooked actually gets practical. Okay, so Lomaisa. It's Lomaisa. Like, what do, you, what do we do? What do we do? So I'm talking about this is what they want, this is their goals, like... So what do I do to, to help them? So in Maramoka number three, again, this is just one, you know, uh, uh, a little excerpt from, from 
many places that he talks about this, there's one kunshas, maybe it's Kedai, one day, you know, one time we'll go through it together. It's called Hadar, the generation. It's a whole kunshas that he wrote addressing the, 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 the source of the issue with the younger generation and the solutions to the problem. And so this is, cut and pasted from that, from that kunshas. But again, it's, it's, it's one of many places that he addresses it in practical terms. But listen to what he says. Again, even his practical terms is a little bit... Uh, you know, Thor of Kukkian, but, uh, you know, he says like this, the great sickness of the younger generation, and it is a sickness. In other words, it, it is a problem. People are, are falling off of Yiddishkeit and they're starting uh, secular kibbutzim. I mean, these, are, these are problems. But, but he says, but the, but the real problem, the main place of the problem, it's not in the heart. It's not like all of a sudden the, the younger generation are bad are bad people, they're bad Jews. It's not an emotional issue. It's not a taiva issue. Or a desire for afkeris. The issue is not in their arms that they're doing averis. And it's not a feet issue that they're running to do averis. Even though you see all of that. So it's true. Their hearts are messed up and there is taivas and there is afkeris and the heart, hands are feet and doing bad things. That's all true. But it's not the headquarters of the issue. The real foundation where the sickness is coming from, it's educational. That's the issue. That's the issue. It's educational. Everything else, once the education is broken down and you're not giving them a proper education that they need, so yes, the issue is the mind. The issue is the, the, the education. That's, that's the issue. He says like this, and most most historical periods of Jewish history, you find the following phenomenon. You find individual gedolim that are giants, mamish giants, great spirits, in the earlier generations, that were shocked by how great these individual people were, the Rashi, the Rambam, the Vindagai, you know, the, countless people, just individual mountains. But that's in terms of the individual tzaddikim. But what was going on amongst the average Jew? The average Jew at the time, Hayinotzen B'Shafel Matzev, was in a very low state in terms of their, their spiritual development, their education, their just the, the way of going about, being a, they were very low. Bein B'Das, Bein B'Moser, whether it be educationally, the average Jew was very, very low. And even in Moser, in ethics, in, in ideology, in, 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 uh, in big ideas, people were just pushed to survive and trying to survive. And so you had the Hamaynam, that all they needed was a uh, little, you know, learning Mishnayish between Mincha Mayrev. That's all they needed. And meanwhile, the Rav giving them the Mishnayish between Mincha Mayrev was a Mokubal Eliki, a divine, uh, a godly person. That, uh, that, that the, all of Tyre was shining within him. <laughs> that, that's the Matzav. So that, that, that's literally how it was. You had these big, that knew everything, that were huge, expensive people. And the Hamayna were the opposite of that. And all they needed to do was give them Mishnayish. That, that, that was all that's needed. That's how it was for the vast majority of, of Golas. So he says like this, but this is the change that's taking place as Rav In the later generations, the reverse is taking place. The gedolim, the giants that used to be, are no longer as big. But the hamaynam are demanding much bigger things than just Mishnai Shabbatun and Chumar. And that, that's the shift that's taking place. That's the shift. In our generation, in our people, ignorance and ignoramuses, people that mamish don't know anything, are much less. People know more. 
And at the same time, the big tzaddikim, no less. Again, there's the stone believable people compared to, to everyone else, but we're, again, uh, there's no Rashi and Rambam anymore. This ascent, this all of a sudden, and again, and where is this coming from? So again, he's not, adri- he's not saying it over here, but in other places, the, the reason why this is happening is because the Knesset Yisrael that was locked up inside of every single Jew throughout all the periods of Gaulus is beginning to open up. And so all of a sudden you have this person that has deeper desires and deeper needs, spiritually speaking, and just wants to experience bigger ideas. So he says... So this is, that's a sugi that Rav Kook talks about. That's not, not for us right now, but we do find this idea that there's only so much kaychus that the generation has. So it either concentrates individual people and everyone else has less, or it's more evenly distributed. So he says, Zeis shalaklal, this aliyah, this ascent of the general population, the and the hamoinam, hasiba gamkin yirida. That itself causes the yirida that we're, that we're seeing. Shador shemoitzi has kol Listen to this, these are words. Uh, it's a generation that finds everything that's being told, veroya, and everything that it sees, mahayrim umayrim, from its parents and its educators, the generation sees it as kadmi erkai, as something small. It doesn't, it's not satisfied. It sees it as smaller than, than it deserves, than it needs. The, Rav Kook identified, this is what it means when Chazal say, before Mashiach comes, there's chutzpah. The chutzpah before Mashiach, what's the chutzpah coming from? Children thinking they're greater than parents. That's what chutzpah is, right? So, but, the, but in a spiritual sense, that's what's going on over here. In other words, all of a sudden, the younger generation needs, needs deeper ideas than what the parents needed and what the parents were offering. So what happens when the student feels that he's deeper and has bigger ideas than the, than the Rebbe? Then what? Then of course he's not going to listen to anything the Rebbe says. <laughs> why, why should I? And the Musar of the Rebbe doesn't grab the student's heart. Right? It doesn't quench his thirst. So of course he's going to be looking for deeper educators and, and bigger people. More than that, this, and this is such a subtle point, Rav Kook says that one of the differences between a Yiddishkeit of Gauls versus a Yiddishkeit of Knesset or of Gula is what's the motivation? When you're an individual person, then automatically, this is a deep, this is a deep idea, when you're an individual person, automatically you come into the world, as an individual person, you come into the world feeling threatened and feeling vulnerable and afraid because you're just one person. So automatically, there's a whole world that can theoretically take you down. But if you're Knesset Yisrael, if you're a, a nation that has everything that's godly, then you're not afraid of anything. So if you're, if you're, if you're, so a Yiddishkeit that's addressing the individual, the Yiddishkeit of Golas is a Yiddishkeit that's, that's fundamentally rooted on fear. It's fundamentally rooted in it's, in it's being, it's addressing a person who's, whose modus operandi, the person's entire way of functioning in life, is out of fear and a threat of what's going to happen to me if I don't do this correctly. And so the Yiddishkeit of Golas is a Yiddishkeit that's based on Yerusha Einish, fear of punishment, and Yerusha and so on, because that's what the, the, every individual is full of fear. But, but when you're shifting to a Yiddishkeit of Knesset Yisrael, that Yiddishkeit is not afraid of anything, nor should it be, because it's Knesset Yisrael. What should Knesset Yisrael be afraid of? Nothing. So what's motivating Knesset Yisrael then? Not fear. What's motivating Knesset Yisrael is, is a longing and a desire to come close to their creator. So it's, it's a, the entire, 
The entire motivation of the Yiddishkeit is different. Not only is the, is the material that you have to teach them different, but the entire motivation is different. So he says like this, um, There's nothing that you can tell the younger generation to scare them. They're not going to be scared. They're not, they're not, they're not, you can't force them into being religious out of fear. Because on some level within them, they've already elevated to such a place. They're no longer living a life which is motivated by running away from something that can destroy them. That's not where they're coming from. Whatever that enemy might be. Whether it be something real, something tangible, something, a concept. Physical or spiritual. What's, what's compel- the Yiddishkeit of Knesset Yisrael is not a Yiddishkeit that's motivated by running away from a monster. Whether that monster is Moyav, whether the monster is Esav, whether the monster is Gehenim, whether the monster is punished, like, that's not the motivation for Knesset. Knesset is not afraid of anything. And so this is what's going on over here. You have, you have, you have Knesset Yisrael emerging within sort of the, the, the world of Gullus and there's this like huge disconnect. That's what he says. Hulayoho Lashov Meira. And the younger generation is not going to do tshuva out of fear. What the younger generation is absolutely custom made for is to return to Hashem from love. That their that their mom is able to do. Which connects to a to a more sophisticated and higher level of Yerushalayim. But but just pure Yerushalayim that's coming from fear. That's absolutely not the motivation at all. That's just going to drive them further. And and Cook saw this as a mila, not a chesar. So he says like this, Dar Bal Ruach Gadol, a generation that has a great spirit within them, this generation that has a great spirit, wherever it turns, what it's looking for is Lishmoya Devarm Gedailim. It wants to hear big things. And says Rav Kook, now I recognize, says Rav Kook, that we're dealing with people that that are that are in their religious life are still small, so yeah, so they're mice, they're babies, but they have this deep adult desire within them. So says Rav Cook. So the, the responsibility of the educators, the responsibility of the educators is what is to somehow try to do this to give them big ideas, but packaged in a way that even children can understand it. And so this is this is the the, the dynamic that we're stuck in to hear big things, but in such a way that they should be misuyamim umavararim, clear and, and clarified in gadol rachman vekefam with their great expansiveness. But it should be sumzach. It should be clear and pashit and practical. Hametares hayoyser pnimis the the goals the, the the goals that are the deepest goals of Yiddishkeit. That all of life, all of ethics and religious and practical life come from, should be clear in front of them. This is what they need. They need big ideas, but made to be able to be absorbed by people that are, that are, that are not holding by big ideas yet on the outside. So he says like this, A generation that in potential has a lot, but in practicality, has nothing. Right? So it's like, and potential is everything. In reality, mam is nothing. Doirish harbe demands a lot. but has nothing to, to prepare. There's nothing. There's nothing actually there to you know. So it's 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 ordering from the menu. <laughs> I mean, like all the most expensive dishes. Meanwhile, lemais all you have in front of you is just like bread and butter. Like that's also what you have. So you're, you're ordering all these things, but lemais. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing. It's not here yet. So he says. So what do you do? 
It is impossible to save the generation from its evil, from its low places, and to establish them on a true path of life that's healthy and good. Only one solution. To speak to them, to speak to them of big, lofty, expansive ideas. Things that are exalted and deep. But in a language that's most simple. That's most simple. Some of the big ideas packaged in simple ways. In ways with mashalim, with stories, with expressions that are the most simple and most tangible, the most down to earth. But what you're packaging in those ideas are the greatest of ideas. In order that in the depth that this generation finds itself in, the low places it finds itself in, in the Berlins of the world, right? That it's mamish lying down on the floor in such places, that it should find there as haziv v'hanoyim ha'adir. It should find in those low places the light and the pleasantness of exalted Yiddishkeit. which is in truth what they're looking for, and that was Rav Cook's mission. That was his whole Indian. And so everything. So again, that, that's you know, Rav Cook sometimes gets a little bit more practical. But that's pretty much as practical as it gets. Like to be able to, you, and 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 most of, and by the way, many times when Rav Cook writes about this. He's really speaking, like in this, he's speaking to the educators. He's speaking to the G'daylam. He's not speaking to the Hamaynam. He's speaking to the G'daylam, that this is, your, this is what you have to give them. And so he, he, he screamed about this, about how in the yeshivas they should be teaching, you know, Ramchal and Derech Hashem and Pnimias and, 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 and Halacha with Machshat. Uh, 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 again, a holistic way of approaching Yiddishkeit, giving the generation what, it, what it's thirsty for. <coughs> And that's, uh, and that was uh, Rav Cook's dream. No, it's like I mentioned on Tisha B'Av, Rav Cook in one of the letters recognized and he acknowledged. He says, I'm not, I, I understand that, that people are not listening to me. Like, I get it. But I'm not speaking to them. I'm speaking to, I'm speaking right there. I'm speaking to a generation that's coming that will be receptive to these ideas. I just have to plant my seeds now and the pears will emerge later on. So, Shem Halavai, we should be that generation that, that hears this and understands this. I think slowly but surely we are. You know, the world is beginning to recognize. So it's, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a very, it's a very, you know, it's, 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 but that's the thing. It's like, it, it's, it, the, the unfortunate thing is that some people think that's just for Bali Tshuva. And so only the Bali Tshuva has to be talked about uh, Kari Muna. But now they're, now, slowly but surely, because the situation is, and you go to, you go to Eretz Yisrael, I don't think I'm being recorded right now, okay? So you go to Eretz Yisrael, and like, you know, Eshatar Sameach, like back in the day, in the 70s, in the 80s, and 90s, uh, early 90s, so people would, you know, backpacking through Europe, they would take a year off to find themselves, whatever it is. And so you find themselves by the Kaisal, and that place just, the Knesset Yisrael, just the dam breaks. And so then you need a tzaddik that's there and invite you to a Shabbos meal, and the rest is history. But people are not traveling like that. So again, and then the same old inyanim come up, which is, oh, the generation is a shlechta generation. They're not looking anymore. They're not looking anymore. It's the same inyanim. It's not that looking. They're looking, they're, you're, not, you don't, you don't, you're not recognizing how they're looking. And you're not, and you're not in tune anymore with, with, with the Yiddishkeit that they're, that they're really looking for. And so now the gears are shifting, where it's the f- focusing less, you know, on, uh, on, on Kir V'chaikim, and now it's Kir V'chaikim, Right? I'll present it as if it's a place of strength. It's coming from weakness. It's coming because they, they, they don't know how to, how to get the Rechaikim anymore. Okay. There are, there are other organizations that are led by big tzaddikim that still know how to get the Rechaikim. You just have to... Uh, 
to you have to believe in Rav Kook. You have to believe that like uh, as as we get closer and closer to Mashiach, this phenomenon is not weakening. If anything, it's intensifying. People are looking for more, and it's more and more and more. And then even even within uh, the the from world, uh, people are, are searching. They just so what ha- See, here's the here's the difference. If you have someone that's looking for something big, and they're not being given to an authentic way, so they look they go to Berlin, right, and they go to communism and socialism and all these isms, and that's going to bring their expression. But what happens after decades and decades and decades when the Jewish people collectively realize that communism is not the answer and socialism is not the answer and Zionism is not the answer and all these is not the answer. So what happens when you have a kid who really is a Mozart, never given a piano, and he's trying to find, and he thinks, oh, maybe I'm going to be able to bring out my kaychis in, uh, in uh, I don't know, whatever, in uh, in, 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 in Something else that's not uh, music. I don't know, whatever. Uh, in, 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 in literature. But it's not, it's not his nisham. That's not where he's coming from. So you know what happens? So Baruch, if at some point there's a chacham that gives him the piano, it's gavalik. But if no one gives him a piano, you know what's going to happen? So the beginning is he's going to be pouring his kaychas into other, into other areas, hoping that it satisfies him. But when it doesn't, he then falls into absolute yish. And he begins to want to just cut that part of himself out. And that's, the, that's what we're holding right now. We're holding right now in Knesset Yisrael. It's not the shot. Why is it people are not looking as much, they're not searching as much? It's because they've given up on the search because they don't believe that... Because communism didn't, didn't give them an expression and Zionism didn't do it and so there's nothing left. And so it's not the shot that he stops it. They're, they're miyayish. They're miyayish. So all you have to have is a tzaddik like Rab Nachman telling them don't to be miyayish and just continue offering them authentic Yiddishkeit and guess what's going to happen? They'll come in droves. They'll come in droves. That's what's going to happen. Because they never, they were never running away from it. They were trying to find that in all the wrong places. And when all the wrong places end up becoming dead ends, then what happens? Then they just stop giving. Then they start giving up, and they become, and they want to just sleep all day, and they want to play video games all day, and they just want to lose themselves on their phones. But that's a search. That's called looking. Notice that what they're saying is, is that that we have this big thing inside of us, and we have no way to express it. We thought it was going to be with socialism, and that didn't work out. And so now we're just depressed. But it's not coming... So again, the same thing. So you have a kid, you have a person or whatever, that's just... He's not, he's not looking for himself. He's, not, he's, just, he's, 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 he's a gamer. He's just playing games all day. So you have two ways. It's the same thing with Rav Kook. The same thing from 150 years ago. It's the same minion. You have one person saying, oh, you see, a schlechter. No kaych, no motivation. What's going on in his life? He's dead. What it Make something of yourself. Your grandfather, he was in Auschwitz and he survived. What will be with you? All these things, right? That's one approach. But the other way, which Rav Cook's approach, which is, the, you know why he's spending all day on a video game? is because on some deep level, he spent a long time, in a previous Gilgal maybe, in the 1920s, looking in, in communism. And it, it was a dead end. So now he comes back to the world, and he has no motive, because he, he doesn't believe that there's any solution to his, uh, to his real problem. So what's the answer? The answer is, Give him a Yiddish guide. Invite him to a Febrang and let him experience something good. Give him, give him, give him a, show him that there is a, that there's a, that Yiddish guide is bigger than he, than he ever thought. And guess what? It might take a little bit longer, but slowly but surely, he'll wake up. Slowly but surely. That's, that's, that's the solution. It's, it's, it's the eyes of Pneumius. And again, like Rav Kook said, anyone that's Makushat to Pneumius Atari knows this as being true. And if you're not Makushat to Pneumius Atari, then this is all foreign and, and ridiculous. Okay? That's what it is. We'll see who wins at the end. But that, that's, that's, uh, that's the Messias. That's the Moscow. No. Shem should help us. We should be zaychet to see the return of Knesset Yisrael in Milua in its full strength. 
Yeah, yeah. It's almost like after the Corbin one. Close